Hello, and welcome to the Canine Conversations podcast, where we're positively obsessed with behavior. Join certified dog trainers as we discuss case studies, explore training concepts, and interview experts in the field of behavior. Today's episode includes myself, Ursa Acri, a co-owner of Canis Major Dog Training in Denver, Colorado. And Marissa Martino, a pause and reward in Boulder, Colorado. And Kayla Fratt of Journey Dog Training, recently relocated to Missoula, Montana. So this is a little special bonus episode because we have some really exciting news um, from Kayla. She has just accepted a position with Working Dogs for Conservation, which is why she's relocating to Missoula. And we wanted to update everybody on what's going on with her and talk to you a little bit about her new job because it's really freaking cool. Yeah. (laughs) So Kayla, give us the update. Yeah. So as you guys may or may not know, I'm never aware how much people actually follow each other on the internet. Um, I spent the last year working remotely um, and traveling with my boyfriend and my dog through um, North America and Latin America. And in March of this year, I was approached by Working Dogs for Conservation about an opening that they have. And they asked whether or not I would basically be willing to cut my trip short in order to take this job. Um, And I have been hot about it a little bit, but not actually that much. Um, And so I applied for this job and I took it. Um, So what Working Dogs for Conservation is, is they are a nonprofit based out of Missoula, Montana, that's been around for about 20 years. Um, And they take really, really high drive, crazy, mostly rescue dogs and then some career change dogs from other working fields um, and teach them to find target scents um, for conservation oriented purposes. Um, So they kind of have three main goals or buckets that that falls into. They do invasive species mitigation. So they will um, train the dogs to find uninvasive species of plant or animal. And then that can be flagged for removal. Um, They also do endangered species um, kind of research. So they'll find the scat of an endangered species, which is the poop, for those of you who (laughs) don't know what that is. Or sometimes they will find the live animals. So we will find um, black-footed ferrets. We've done some stuff with tortoises as well. And we'll actually find the live animals. Um, For various biological goals for the scientists, you know, they might be doing a census. They might be researching cortisol levels, which you can find out from the poop. All sorts of different stuff. And then the third thing that we do is we'll also do some law enforcement. Um, So we work with, um, we've helped train people um, kind of around the world on how to get the dogs to find pangolin scales, snow leopard skins, ivory, bullets, um, all sorts of different stuff. I think we've done some stuff with like live falcons in Kazakhstan. I might be getting that wrong. Um, Where apparently it's a big problem that they're getting trafficked in people's luggage. Um, wow. And that's not like a project that we've done, but people hired us. You know, they were like, we know how to teach the does dogs that, to find drugs, but does like, that how do we do this? Carry on? Like, can I put my falcon under the seat? <laughs> that will be an extra $45. Damn. But what if it's my emotional support falcon? <laughs> Which you're then going to sell on the black market later. <laughs> um, it did its job. So, yeah, yeah, we're done now. Um, so, yeah, those are kind of the three main buckets that um, the dog's work falls into. Um, and my actual position is that I'm doing communications and outreach for them. So I'm going to be running their social media, doing media appearances, going to conferences, and hopefully teaching some lessons and classes as well at the facility and kind of um, basically taking a bunch of the forward or the outward facing stuff off of the executive director's plate so that he can focus on 
other things, I think, was kind of the big impetus for them needing this position. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So I'm cool. so excited <laughs> so for you. Congratulations. Cool. Yeah, thank I've you. told you this before, it's, but, like, nobody deserves this more than you. You've worked yeah. so hard to get involved <laughs> in this kind of stuff. Yeah. This yeah. is one of those things where it's, like, dreams do come true. Because you <laughs> literally <laughs> talked about this organization and that you wanted to be part of this organization. and For, like, years. For years. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I am so proud of you. And thank then you. I'm also, like... It's true. It sounds really corny, but like dreams do come true. Like if you <laughs> yeah. really, if you really try and work your way and yeah. I don't know, be persistent mm-hmm. can happen. So I have some questions for you. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I had the pleasure of getting to um, hang out with you and Barley the other day in the park and um, help you hide fox poop. Mm-hmm. Um, I was saying earlier, it's the most fun I've ever had with poop. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that we could help Barley practice finding yeah. the scent. But, um, and I want to ask you a little bit more about that process, but first I want to know, why why are we using dogs? Why, like, what's the advantage to using dogs totally. for this? Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of different things that dogs basically can do a lot better than people. Um, there are other animals that have better uh, noses than dogs, um, in essence. So I think bears are the example that we often use. Bears actually have better noses than dogs, but <laughs> it's really hard to teach a bear Working to bears work with for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I still have that this dream is that like going to fit in a carry on. No, <laughs> no. I, yeah, I mean, can you imagine customs getting getting them? I mean, I'm no, sure there is some my protection bear. I swear, bear specific legislation in certain municipalities. It would be awful. Um, well, and I know that there's an organization. There's a, a popo that does the rats. They use the giant. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like detecting mines and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I yeah. think the the big reason that we use dogs is they can cover a lot more ground a lot more quickly than rats. So I've heard a lot of really good things about rats, especially mm-hmm. for the landmines, because they don't set off the landmines, yeah, right. which is awesome. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Versus if you have a dog that finds a landmine, there's a chance yeah. your dog might set it off, and then you lose your dog, um, which is very ex- expensive and very upsetting. Yeah. Um, but the dogs have this incredible sense of smell, and uh, so they're not only more thorough than people. Um, one of the stats, uh, I really should have gotten my little fact sheet together before this, because I'm so new to this job, I'm going to bungle something. But... Um, I think dogs are nine times more likely than camera traps and other kind of conventional surveying methods to accurately detect the presence of black bears and bobcats in an area. So um, basically the way that biology is normally done without a dog, um, dogs are just a lot better at it. And then one of the other things, so Barley and I are going to go to Yellowstone National Park this July, um, Mm -hmm. and we're going to be doing some uh, zebra mussel mitigation work. So zebra mussels are a super scary invasive species of mussel. Freshwater mussels, they are just really, really aggressive um, as far as how quickly they reproduce, and they kind of will coat everything and kill out all the native wildlife. Um, A dog can search a boat for zebra mussels and find the invasive, uh, or the invasive, the uh, microscopic larva, which obviously a person would miss. And a dog can do a boat in about three minutes, and it usually takes a person about an hour. Wow. Wow. I just got chills. <laughs> That's crazy. So it's That's they're amazing. just a lot more effective. And there are things where they're less good at. There are times where someone will come to Working Dogs for Conservation with a project they want to work on, and will say, you know what? You'd probably Dogs be better right. off yeah. with a drone, yeah. or you'd oh. be better mm-hmm. off with camera traps, or you'd mm-hmm. be better off walking transects and using your eyeballs. Yeah. Um, but the things that dogs are good at are finding stuff that is just tiny, too. So mm-hmm. we do a lot with invasive plants where humans, um, because we're using our eyes, we mm-hmm. often have to almost wait until the plants are big or flowering, at which mm. point it's kind of too it's late. It's kind of too late, right? yeah. 
And the dogs can find these little teeny tiny seedlings that are, you know, the size of your pinky finger. Um, no problem. Mm-hmm. So wow, that's amazing. That's so cool. stuff yeah. that's like hard to see or moves around a lot, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or it's just really um, dispersed. So like I was out yeah. doing, um, we were collecting scat for um, some grizzly bear research when I was in Montana last week. Um, and they're just, I mean, there aren't all that many grizzlies. It's not like, they're not like bunnies where they poop every 10 minutes because um, they're carnivores. So mm-hmm. it just takes longer. So it just, it's really cumbersome to have a person go and look for that. And there are still times where, you know, people can rival dogs depending on it, um, depending on all the situations. But it's definitely, especially with poop. Poop is nice and stinky. Dogs are naturally (laughs) attracted to it. It's pretty easy for the dogs to do poop. Um, You know, in particular, like Barley is working on red fox scat. And it's just like dogs are naturally attracted to that. Mm -hmm. It's really stinky. I'm pretty sure that I could find it by scent (laughs) in like a relatively small area. (laughs) So I can't imagine how obvious it must be for him. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I... I was also curious about um, what makes a really good working dog because, you know, you hear a lot, like, people who just have, like, really energetic dogs mm-hmm. or, like, dogs that are busy all the time. Um, and uh, and I think you and I were talking about this yeah. a little bit the other day, like, um, oh, maybe my dog should go into search and rescue has sort of become the new, like, yeah. maybe I should send him to a farm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so um, talk to us a little bit about what makes a good working dog. Like, what's a good prospect? Mm-hmm. So for us, um, the big thing that we're looking at is ball drive. We want dogs that live and die for their ball. Um, like <laughs> my dog Barley. Has <laughs> Barley has his slobbery ball resting on the arm of my chair. <laughs> and his pupils are about the size of dinner plates. Yeah. And he's desperate for me to throw the ball. Yeah. yeah. Desperate. Yeah. Um, so that's a huge part of it. Um, one of the, the tests that we'll do when we're looking at evaluating a new dog is we'll cover their eyes and throw the ball and see whether or not they go and look for it when they can't see where it goes. We'll put the ball inside of a C-shaped X-pen so they have to problem solve a little bit to go get it. And then we ask them to do that repetitively to show that like it's not just like, oh, they were a little kennel crazy and they really wanted to go get it once, but now that they've already got it, they've kind of lost interest. And then they also have to have some level of willingness to re-engage with the handler. Um, mm. We have some dogs that aren't like totally, totally fetch crazy, but they are toy crazy and that's okay. But if they really, really want to play independently, it's a lot harder yeah. to work through that. Um, and part of the reason that we really want that ball drive is versus like canine nose work, the sport. Um, it's kind of okay if those dogs are interested in just working for food because the trials are really quick. They're timed. You're in and out. um, And it's relatively short versus what these dogs are being expected to do is they're going out for five to eight hours a day and hiking and they need to focus on looking even when there are squirrels around. There are scents. They're working off leash for the most part in just incredibly distracting environments. So we need to have something that we can kind of hold over them that they want so badly that they'll ignore stuff that honestly most, like I would almost say neurologically normal dogs (laughs) probably (laughs) would decide is better than a ball. (laughs) Or yeah, yeah, Yeah. the ball's not worth it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have to be willing to just stick with it through kind of incredible stuff. And obviously through our training, we build that up and we teach them how to do that. But um, you can't just kind of take any dog and expect and to be successful them that drive. Yeah. Um, especially as that dog's full-time job. Oh, fair. Yeah. Um, you know, you might be able to do it with either of your dogs, honestly, um, as kind of a hobby. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people do that with like truffle hunting dogs or whatever, which mm-hmm. is arguably very similar. But um, these dogs are expected to be able to do that every day with a different handler potentially and mm. potentially after multiple hours in the car. Um, and they need to bas- basically jump out of the back of the truck and be ready to go. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I was just going to ask in terms of like giving them a break or like what is that? When do they clock in and clock out? Are you? It would make sense that you're going to a specific location mm-hmm. and that you probably need to have them working daily. It's not just like yeah. you're working once a week and then you have the rest of the week off. Yeah. Like it's so we'll do we do two days on, one day off, two days on, one day off. Okay. And often you have a couple different dogs with you in the field, so mm-hmm. you can kind of rotate through. Mm-hmm. So I think. I'm not 100% sure what the setup is going to be when I'm in Yellowstone, but I'm going to have Barley with me. Um, and Barley actually is not going to be working because he's going to be trained in only on dead, crushed, dried zebra mussels. And they want to make sure that he's trained in on live zebra mussels before he gets deployed. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have got I might have two other dogs with me so that I, I, you know, especially because when you're doing boat checks, you're doing that in the afternoon when boaters are coming in and out the most. Mm-hmm. Normally when we're doing field work, we'll often be out from like, 5 a.m. to noon mm-hmm. um, so that we can end the day earlier and we'll switch out dogs as needed. We'll take breaks as needed. Um, or you might just have the one dog and then you're just kind of done when that dog is done. Um, when you said but, dried crushed zebra mussels, I thought you were saying that like that's a, an, a problem. Like, are people smuggling? Is this what the kids <laughs> no, are doing no. these days? <laughs> like, are we snorting zebra mussels? Like, what's going oh, on? God. <laughs> um, no, I think, uh, like, I think that's this, how you're training. Like, yeah, that's where his, the level of his detection will be at. Yeah, and, then, and okay, I think it's because, because the species is so invasive, <laughs> that is all that the state of Montana allows us to work with. Wow. We have to be working with something that there is no way in hell. That it could, like, fall it, into the water. And, yeah, it oh, could wow. propagate because they're so Crazy. bad. Wow. Um, so he's not going to have the opportunity to work with um, live zebra mussels yet. So he won't be, he won't get to go out necessarily. I have a kayak um, if you want to practice. <laughs> I'd love to know if there are any zebra mussels on. And then, I mean, the other things that we're looking for other than that ball drive, um, I mean, it's got to be that, a will- that willingness to work, willingness to work for the ball. So there are dogs who are like kind of obsessive about toys, but they don't quite get the working for it. Right. It's hard to articulate that, um, mm-hmm. but that's part of what we're looking at. And then, Kind of, they have to be environmentally sound to some level. We do have several dogs on the team that are not friendly with other dogs or mm. friendly with people, a little skittish, a little spooky, whatever. Um, but they do need to be, you know, willing and able to, like, cross streams or, mm. like, walk through thick underbrush. We actually have a couple dogs that are a little bit diva-ish about, like, thistles or whatever. <laughs> and you'll, like, be out working in the field. And then all of a sudden the dog is, like, walking right behind you and, like, oh, God, the thistles are touching me. And, <laughs> and it's fine. But if that was, like, an ongoing thing or they were skittish about a ton of stuff that you're running into in the field, that would obviously be a problem. Okay. I have a question about those yeah. dogs that are, let's, you know, label it as, like, grumpy towards people or grumpy yeah. t- towards dogs without doing any behavior modification for that particular purpose has this has giving them a job and 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 having them work their nose and all this mental simulation and working around other people and other dogs has it shifted their behavior in that capacity like towards other people and other dogs i think so i i so i haven't started yet in person uh, as we're recording uh-huh. right now i've they gave me a remote start option so i've only met a couple of the dogs and met a couple of the handlers but from what I understand is that, yeah, some of the dogs, once they've kind of gotten this job and they're getting this regular exercise, they can kind of look more like normal dogs after working. Uh And um, yeah, that that exercise and that kind of behavioral wellness 
that comes with the job helps a lot of them. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not a cure all <laughs> for sure, but um, definitely, definitely a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Like one of the dogs I was actually staying with when I was in Missoula um, this last week. Um, Cause I just kind of went up to visit um, meet the team and whatever before I got there permanently um, is a flunky border patrol dog. Um, and she's pretty, pretty sketchy with people. That's kind of what she was bred and trained for was some like bark and hold sort of, Suspect oh. apprehension work. Yeah, you were telling me. And she was it. a she was a weird dog to be around until she got to she, you know the first day she didn't work. Um, she'd just been kind of being a house dog that day, and then the next day that I was there, she did go out and work all day. And then that afternoon, she was like a much better dog to be around. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, because she was just nice and tired. And yeah, like, tired and mentally rich. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, mentally rich. She was just kind of able to roll with punches more sure, than she sure. had been able to um, even the day before. So it also, it's not like a permanent where like, oh, they've gotten to go out for a week and now they're going to be fine for six months. Yeah. Um, but it does seem to help. Well, and I always tell people like exercise with behavior issues, exercise is not going to be like a silver bullet, but yeah. the lack of exercise and enrichment and stimulation can increase, like can sure. enhance those problems. For sure. So, yeah. 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 That's interesting mm-hmm. to see that you've found that to be true. Yeah. And I think that's probably true for multiple of our dogs. I've just yeah. only met a couple. Yeah. So, so, um, just just real quick, I will, I'm curious about how you get the training process started. So, yeah. like, we know dogs are always using their nose and, like, searching for things of interest to them. So how do you take that and make it mm-hmm. usable and make it sort of operant in that context? Yeah. So I think we actually start training the dogs using hair gel as a tar- target scent. Huh. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not quite sure why we do that. My suspicion is if you teach the dog on a given... So, like, Barley is learning on Red Fox Scout right now. If he gets deployed to an area and he's supposed to be looking for Wolf Scout, um, and he's going to be running into Red Fox Scout, it can be confusing for him, and he's going to be... it's There are just more Red Foxes, so he's going to be finding that, and then it's going to get confusing for him. So I think we start them on kind of a neutral neutral odor Mm -hmm. and, like, teach all those skills because it's actually pretty easy to introduce new odors after you've done that. Hmm. And you're not likely to find hair gel out in the wild. Yeah, that's (laughs) a good good one to choose. Um, Yeah, and I'm not quite sure why we do that versus, like, a traditional nose work scent. Um, My only guess is I don't think anyone in the organization has done much nose work. So it just, like, Mm -hmm. like, for me, it would have felt obvious to, like, just grab some birch oil. Mm -hmm. um, Because I've done nose work. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like... There's no reason that birch oil makes sense either. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, kind of like that's how we've always done it. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, oh, okay. I guess that's, you know, that's like what we do at nose work, so it's fine. Oh, interesting. Um, but yeah, so they start with hair gel, and basically what they do is it starts out very classical conditioning E, where um, <laughs> there's, there's some hair gel out in the room in a box or in a cinder block where they can't see it, and as soon as the dog gets near it, gets his nose on it, um, a ball comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge party, and you make that association over and over, and then... We start building um, some interest in going to look for it through that because then they, they know that when they find it, they can get the ball. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately we start building more of an operant alert. So we like to, all of our dogs have either a sit stay or a down stay when they find what they're looking for. Um, and there are a couple different ways to build that. Um, I know with my dog, Barley, um, I basically captured what we call an extinction burst. So he found what he was looking for, and then I didn't give him the ball, and I kind of <laughs> waited for him to do something that I'm anthropomorphizing here a little bit, but he's uh, like, come on, hey, mom. hello, <laughs> yeah. give it to me, and then I captured that by giving him the ball as a reward for that. 
and then kind of build it from there. Um, and then I actually eventually got him to lie down by he was crouching to wait for the ball. And I started, he would find the scent. He would kind of do his, what he naturally wanted to do is poke it and then look at me and then poke it again with his nose. <laughs> and he was kind of crouching, waiting for the ball to be thrown, you know, like ready to, coiled, ready to spring. And um, I cued it down and then would throw it. And I only had to do that a couple times before he started realizing that if he found it and then uh -huh. he lay down, he was going to get the ball right away. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, and then we've got all these different scent puzzles, and uh, you know, we you use a lot of cinder blocks um, because you can put something down in that cinder block. They're nice and cheap. They're easy to find, and the dog can't see where it is. Mm. Um, so then you can kind of practice um, with them looking for that around there. And then we just purchased Working Dogs for Conservation just purchased a 45 acre um, ranch outside of Missoula where we're actually going to be able to take the dogs um, from practicing in our garage to going outside and practicing on this. 45 acre ranch right away and it's got a stream in it because some of the amazing stuff that we do is we'll also we have a couple dogs that will find trout in moving streams wow which is just mind-blowing <laughs> and they'll be able to differentiate between a brook, brook trout and a rainbow trout and like just alert to the one that's amazing in a moving stream <laughs> it's insane <laughs> my eyes just fell out of my head yeah. I'm like, oh my I mean, these dogs are really special out of like a thousand dogs that people kind of like flag for us mm -hmm. or no i'm gonna get the stat wrong out of about a thousand dogs in the shelter maybe about 300 are like kind of potential like you could conceivably flag them as a candidate and of those only like 50% will actually make it through training wow um so it's just I, I'm really bungling that stat but it's really really um, it's not a lot yeah there are not it's not a lot but dogs. I actually that's a higher than I would have expected I yeah you're gonna be like 10 10 out of a thousand yeah. something I like think that it, it kind of by the time you get the stats all right and I'll, I'll put this in the show notes correctly because I actually have all these stats written up for a grant proposal and that it also, comes out like, to something close to like one in a thousand dogs yeah. some of them are gonna wash too I yeah imagine. yeah like they'll yeah. look promising and then they won't actually turn out to be okay in the field yeah I think about 60% of the dogs that we even make through like a couple months worth of training will still f wash out at yeah. some point yeah. or yeah. career change sense. or whatever easy and once working dogs for conservation takes them in they're part of our family we will we actually just had to dog wash out um and that dog is going home with well, her handler her handler Aww. wants to keep her um foster so, fail yeah <laughs> um so you know the dogs are it's not like oh this dog flunked out we're gonna send it back to the shelter right um, right but we're also we're not a rescue you know we get a lot of requests from people who have you know what we were saying like this just like crazy high energy husky or whatever mm. who has no interest in a ball and no interest in people and it's just like i'm sorry that dog's not a candidate and that's yeah. Especially coming from an open admission shelter, that's a shift for me. Yeah, um, sure. Because, you know, at DFL, we take anything. Obviously, mm -hmm. that's our whole mission. And yeah. well, just that is not that, working dogs for conservation. Yeah, just the fact that you guys are taking shelter dogs that need yeah, a job. Like, awesome. It's really cool. It's I mean, a lot of these dogs have been through five or six homes. A lot of right. them probably were really on their last and Their probably have been through five or six homes because they aren't really good pets no. in the traditional yeah. sense because they're so high yeah. drop. Like, they yeah. need that job 24-7. And so, like, for them to have that opportunity yeah. to actually yeah. do I mean, that. I think, and, I think a couple of these dogs have, like, been relinquished for, like, digging through cabinets to try to get to the tennis ball. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're awful so pets. Right, right. Um, for, like, the average pet owner, it's yeah. way too much. Yeah, and some of them, some for of me, them are not. Way too much. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. me, it's way too much. Yeah, for the average pet owner. And I would say, like, Barley has a lot of what it takes to be a working dog, but he's actually kind of on that lower intensity level than mm -hmm. some of our other mm -hmm. dogs. 
things. Mm. Um, and part of that might be because I've focused so much on manners for him. Yeah. Versus a lot of our working dogs. They're working dogs. We, like, yeah. they're allowed to bark and spin and nip and jump and whatever because we focus on... Um, we want them to love the job first, and then manners may or may not come yeah. later. But we want them to succeed at the job is like the main goal. Yeah. yeah. So it's a little different. Yep. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank so, you so much for sharing yeah, all so of that fun. with it's us. It's super exciting. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I'm super excited for you, and um, yeah. we we want to keep you guys posted on yeah. on updates. So we're definitely going to revisit this topic as you. Uh, kind of yeah. become more more familiar and I want to hear your cool stories from like Yellowstone and yeah <laughs> no I, 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 and <laughs> I don't think I get to go to Kazakhstan um, not yet but not, yeah maybe I think it's more like I'd get to go to Africa that's what I'm, nice. I'm pulling nice. for I want to go see our anti-poaching units um, yeah but yeah I think at some point we should try to get one of the trainers from the organization on yeah um, definitely. who like has been doing this for 20 years and can yeah. really speak to like a lot of uh, you know, more than any gritty stuff that I'm kind of kind of yeah, screwing up here. I would here. definitely want to hear more about this for sure. Did yeah. you have anything, Marissa? No, that was awesome. Cool. cool. All right. Well, uh, we want to thank you guys so much for joining us for this little bonus episode about mm-hmm. Kayla's new gig at Working Dogs for Conservation. Um, I'm Ursa Acri. I'm a co-owner of Canis Major Dog Training in Denver, Colorado, and you can find us online at CanisMajorTraining.com. And I'm Marissa Martino of Pause and Reward Dog Training in Boulder, Colorado. And you can find me online at pauseandreward.com. And I'm Kayla Fratt. You can find my private business at journeydogtraining.com. And you guys can also check out Working Dogs for Conservation, make donations, buy a uh, sit, stay, stop poachers t-shirt. Yes. Yay! Um, <laughs> all that good stuff to help support the work that they do at wd4c.org. I think workingdogsforconservation.org will also get you there. Um, and that four is the letter four. So WD4C.org. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Number four, not letter four. <laughs> they got it. They will find it. Before we go, be sure to subscribe to Canine Conversations wherever you find your podcasts. You can find episode notes and bonus materials at canineconvos.com. You can also contact us at hello at canineconvos.com. That's the word canine all spelled out. We would love to hear from you. Our theme music is called Funny Song, and it's provided royalty-free from bensound.com. Our audio is mixed and edited by James Eady at beheard.org.uk. Our logo is from Walker Hooper, and you can find his work on Instagram at walkers underscore username. Thanks for listening.